It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are right now you can check us out on facebook live we are streaming at facebook.com slash 1380 the fan yes i've made it back from detroit michigan unfortunately i kind of wish i wasn't back because there was only one scenario that would put me back in this chair today and that was the mastodons losing last night and that's exactly what happened mastodon season came to an end on the road at detroit last night We'll talk a little bit about that. Also coming up on the show, we're packed up till 6 o'clock. Gary Andrews, coach of the Northside Legends. You know, it's been kind of an up and down year for Northside. They win a few, then they lose a couple, then they win a few, then they lose three in a row. And uh, we'll get to the bottom of it. What has made this year's team so inconsistent? And I do believe it's going to come down to injuries. I'm just guessing this is what coach will say. Uh, totally random. I, I don't have any evidence to exactly what he will respond, but I do think he's going to say that the up and downs of this year have uh, been the, the numerous injuries they've suffered throughout this season. But they were uh, injury-free, you could say, last night with a rout of the Carroll Chargers. Probably, I don't know if that's the best performance, but I would have to think it's right up there. As good as Northside has played this year in a 79-48 to win over the host team for the sectionals. You know, that's what always kind of stinks. When a team steps up and they host, that means their staff has the uh, press row, they've got the PA, the scorekeeper, timekeeper, all of that. And uh, and they've got the ticket takers, concessions, you know, they're... They're running it all, and they all step forth and uh, commit their time to running a sectional at their school, and then their team gets beat the very first game of the sectional. Kind of stinks. Yeah, it has to sting a little bit, I would assume. But then you have to just do, you have to do it for the love of basketball. After that, it's harder, I think, for baseball because baseball. You've got to go out and prep the field. You've got to keep it mowed, and you're doing all this work just so somebody else can play on it. But uh, we'll talk to Gary Andrews coming up at 520 today. If you do watch our Facebook video, and we encourage you to check out the show on Facebook while you listen here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM, or maybe you're streaming the show, which you can always do worldwide, we're never out of reach. So like when I'm traveling in Detroit, I listen to the show. I critique Shannon throughout the entire two hours, sometimes during the show. <laughs> Get off that subject, Shannon. 
On to the next subject, Shannon. <laughs> Poor Shannon. Where's Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, Shannon? That's an important one. That was an important one. And, and, and you know, I it's interesting because I talked to Shannon about it, and it was clear that Shannon was not in favor of participating in Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. So when, uh, when you kind of forgot about it yesterday, I, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but you kind of forgot. Full, full disclosure, I, wasn't I forgot. I was here. You're prepping a show for someone else. And uh, and so you you let it slip. And I had just talked to Shannon the night before. Well, he was not going to remind you. I just will tell you that because <laughs> I think he was quite glad that when he looked at the show sheet, he didn't see anywhere on it Tuesday time capsule trivia because I don't think Shannon was excited about participating. You know, some people might come in and guest host and it might be the highlight of doing a Tuesday show. Yeah, I just I don't think. I don't think Shannon was uh, quite ready for the trivia. Wasn't, no, was not prepped. Did not want to embarrass himself. He's got a reputation to uphold. For me, doesn't matter. <laughs> I still throw myself under the bus trying to the Tuesday Time Caps trivia. So today is actually a special edition Tuesday Time Caps trivia. And you know what we're doing with Tuesday Time Caps trivia on a special Wednesday edition is we're giving you a special prize package. It's unbelievable. I mean, how do we put this all together in the 10 minutes that we actually prep for this show? It's it's hard <laughs> to believe that we got this all together. We've got, oh, listen to the music. Yes, we got Doobie Brothers tickets. Awesome. And I guarantee they'll sound better doing that song than I just did. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Hey, I'm, I'm honest here. I'm not going to compliment. Oh, I'm not going to fake compliment your singing. Listen to the music. Um, I might keep going. I, I would. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this for our listeners, and I'm not gonna say. Not only will Facebook die real quick, <laughs> will hurt Meta or whatever they are. Uh, but uh, yeah. So okay, I'll stop singing. Yeah. Great show, and, and you know I'm a little goofy today because lack of sleep. You know that. Yeah, you came home with the Dons uh, early this morning, didn't er, you? Or early this morning, or really late last night. It depends, I guess, on your clock. Uh, when I was younger. No problem. I could do this every night, right? Stay up till 2.30 in the morning and pop right up at 6 o'clock and be ready to go. Uh, I tried it today, and I've made it this far. But let me just say, I might be asleep before sunset tonight. And I think sunset's <laughs> at like 6.25 p.m. So, uh, yeah, I a uh, little worn out. Uh, of course, you know, being on the road... That always kind of grinds, you know, you don't sleep quite as well, I think. And, yeah. And so uh, we were on the road in Wisconsin last week, and then last night being on the road in Detroit, then having a disappointing loss. And, of course, the adrenaline keeps you up because you're talking about the season. You're talking about some of the guys that are going to move on from the program. Uh, you're talking about the what ifs. What ifs? Where did it go wrong? And, of course, all those conversations taking place on the bus. And the next thing you know, uh, our bus driver, Greg, who was just – he, I, I tell you what, we we should nickname him Mario because uh, he looked like an and or drove like an Andretti. I think <laughs> uh, he was fantastic getting us back in relatively because the the team was prepared to stay in the hotel and then with a victory depart for either Youngstown or Milwaukee and play round two. Unfortunately, things didn't go the Don's way last night. And uh, and so the plans were changed, and it was all of a sudden, we're departing tonight. Uh, we're not going to hang around. We don't want to be in Detroit. It's, you know, bad 
bad karma. So went to the hotel, packed our bags, loaded up the bus, and a little after 11 last night, see a Motor City. We were on our, on our way back. And so, uh, yeah, I think uh, about 2.30 by the time I finally got to sleep last night. And, uh, you know, that stupid clock that you've got in your, you know, your, your head or your body, that, that clock that goes out at 6 o'clock this morning, clock goes off, I'm supposed to get up. Uh, and, and then I realized around nine o'clock I had a meeting and realized I'm pretty tired. But then after the nine o'clock meeting, I just kept myself going meeting after meeting after meeting, talking to a lot of different people that kept, kept the energy up. But after this show is over and there's nothing left, I am going to wipe out. But last night, disappointing season comes to a disappointing ending as the Mastodons lose at Detroit Mercy, 81 to 68. Career high, though, for Bobby Planudis. Uh, perhaps the lone bright spot for the Mastodons at 20 points that matched his career high. And uh, uh, he was three for nine from three. And let me just say that. You know, he had 20 points, and, I, and I'm not trying to criticize Bobby, but a lot of those shots I think Bobby would tell you he would expect to make more than three of nine. They were wide open threes. The Mastodons moved the ball really well to get him set up for some wide open looks. And he's been a terrific three-point shooter, over 40% for his career. Uh, just missed a couple that you would expect him to make. He ended up three for nine from distance, but he did finish with 20 points connecting on all seven of his free throws, which that might be a career high too, because Bobby's not a guy that gets to the free throw line very often. Um, and on the season, uh, Bobby Palunitas finished the year, if I'm not mistaken, like, like 50 of 52 at the free throw line. Uh, just a terrific free throw shooter. But the Mastodons fall to Detroit Mercy and Antoine Davis, 81-68. to 68. And if you haven't heard, Antoine Davis, who is the son of Mike Davis, former Indiana coach who has coached at UAB, he's coached at, uh, what is it, Texas Southern. Um, he's coached at Detroit now. Uh, Mike Davis is Antoine Davis's father, and Antoine is currently chasing the record of Pistol Pete Maravich for all-time points scored at the NCAA Division I level. And he's going to break it now because of last night. The Mastodons went into that game last night as the great defender of the Pistol Pete record because if they'd have knocked off Detroit, Detroit would have been 13-19, and 19, would not have been invited to a postseason, and the record would have held... And I don't know if anybody's going to chase it down. I mean, it's been 50 years since anybody's come this close. And it took the COVID year to kind of help give Antoine Davis a real run at it. But I saw an interesting story, an interview that was done with Antoine Davis, where he said when he was in grade school that he took up basketball, and his dad said, if you're going to take it up, take it up like it's a full-time job. Commit to it 100%. Make yourself the best basketball player you could possibly be because you don't have the natural size. You're 6'1". You don't have the physical frame. You're skinny as a rail. Um, find skills that you can develop to make you the best possible basketball player you can be. And you know what he did? He got the Pistol Pete Maravich video training to teach him how to do ball handling skills, shooting skills, and develop. And so 
He said he spent a good part of his youth learning the game of basketball and learning the fundamentals by watching Pistol Pete Maravich. And now all of a sudden, fast forward 16 years or so, and he's just about set to break his 50-plus-year-old record for points at the NCAA Division I level. Pistol Pete, 3,667, and Antoine Davis, just 25 points behind. And after scoring 38 points last night against the Dons, you would have to assume the next game, Antoine Davis is going to become the all-time top scorer in NCAA D1 basketball history. Yeah, I mean, unless they just triple-team him the whole entire game, and even then he still might get it. Uh, so. The Dons were trying that at times, and he does a you know a fade away from 27 feet. I mean, falling he, out of bounds. He can shoot from just literally anywhere. It's one of those things that when you prepare for Detroit Mercy, what you do is you prepare that he's going to get his. You don't want him to go off and score 40 plus or even 38 kind of is a high number. But 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 he's had 40 plus multiple times this year. Uh, And so you do want to at least guard him. But you also realize that Detroit Mercy's success isn't. Antoine Davis going for 40 it's the other guys combining for 40 plus and as a as a group scoring 80 points last night 81 points Antoine had 38 of it and the rest of the team had uh do the math for me real quick that would be 43 so the team outscored Antoine but uh, 81 points too many to give up the Mastodons gave up 47 in the second half which has been a problem for the Mastodons over the last month there's so many problems that we can go through because I'm asked the question what happened what happened to this team they were supposed to be so good you know who gives me that annoying question not annoying I don't mind being asked but my wife is constantly saying to me you told me they were going to be good and <laughs> And I'm like, you know what? I think there's talent, but I think there's also a number of reasons we can probably look at as to why this season didn't go according to plan. And, and yes, the Mastodons really need to get that first NCAA tournament bid. It's not unusual to be a 20-year-old program and not have been to the NCAA tournament. That's not unusual. A lot of programs, it takes them 30, 40 years before they finally start to see success. You've got to build a brand. You've got to build a brand nationally so you can recruit and get guys out of the transfer portal to come to your school. Um, I think the Mastodons helped them build their brand when they beat IU. People noticed. And, uh, and then they've had some success in the Summit League. They've won the Summit League regular season title. They've won the Horizon League regular season title. The program has credibility. And so you feel like, okay, it can continue to move forward. But this, this year clearly was a step back, especially according to what the expectations were. And the question I'm asked, what happened? Well, I think there's a couple of things. If I try to analyze it, uh, because you have a lot of time on the bus, two and a half hours or so coming back from Detroit to think, what went wrong? I think there's a few things. Number one, last year's team, if you remember, they got hot in February. They were a 500 team up until the very end of January. Kind of a middle of the pack, Horizon League team, cruising along at 500 for the season. And then all of a sudden, they got on that tear and won 10 straight games. And so early on this season, when the Dons would have their ups and downs, No one was all that concerned about it. 
Why? Because they said, you know, we've been here before. We've been a 500 team through January. And this team knows how to turn it up a notch when you get to the stretch run. And so, in some ways, last year's late season success might have been a bad thing this year because everybody expected this team would be able to just flip the switch, turn it on in February, and all of a sudden win seven, eight games in a row, head in on a high going into the tournament, and sweep through the tournament, collect the nets, and head off to the NCAA tourney. Well, it didn't work out that way. And actually, this team went the other direction. They began to, to almost, I, I don't want to say nosedive, because they had a very tough stretch of schedule, but those are games they would have won last year against some of the top teams in the league that they didn't win this year. And they battled, they were close, but this year's February, they lost six of their last eight games. Last year, they won 10 straight. And so everybody thought, as they get to the end of the season, they'll be able to turn this on. And, and even I thought, that this team might have a period where they're a little bit bored because none of these guys, when you talk about a 60-year guy, a 60-year guy, a 50-year guy, and a 50-year guy, none of these guys returned for that bonus year that they got with COVID because they wanted to be perfect during the regular season. No, they all had one mission. That was to win the Horizon League tournament. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen, and they put themselves in a tough position to do it by not getting a top eight seed, which is almost inexcusable for this group. They're too talented to have that happen. But it's tough coaching 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds, and now in some cases 23-year-olds. It's tough because you're dealing with the minds of someone that you don't know really what's in their head. Uh, you, you aren't sure. And I, I think a couple of things... Happen. First of all, everybody in the league knew that the Mastodons were going to be the team to beat or expected them to be the team to beat and probably spent time in the offseason trying to study their offense, what they exactly did to beat them. And uh, the Dons did pretty much what they did last year, penetration and kick, penetration and kick, extra pass in the perimeter, three-point shot. They didn't shoot the ball as well as they did a year ago. And I think they were somewhat easy to scout. And one part of that is the offense never really clicked. And to me, this year, there was just too much dribbling. The Dons were at their best when they crisply passed the ball without a bounce. Boom, 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 boom. They used to hear it say the phrase, keeping the ball happy, where it just bounces through many different hands, one player to the next, to the next, to the next, and the ball never hit the deck. This year, you would have 15 seconds of the shot clock with one guy dribbling it all the way around, through, underneath, back out. Uh, and I think that hurt the Dons. Um, I also think the Dons didn't take advantage of enough post play because what happens for other teams is they're, they're spraying. When the Dons get into the middle of the court, they spray. Instead of guarding the ball or guarding the post, they're making sure everybody's hand up on a, on a three point shooter. And I think uh, the Dons didn't adjust to that. And in some ways, they had Rob Petty down low, and I think he was open. I watched video of some of the games. He was open repeatedly, and the Dons just didn't look for him. And it's not that the coaching said, don't throw it to the post. The post should have been an option. It's just that the team got in the routine of kicking out for threes, and I think they left too many easy twos on the table. I actually think that... Uh, sometimes 
being in a program for as long as they were, that maybe you think that's experience, but can also be a bad thing. And um, I, I think it'll be good. There'll be a complete overhaul to the roster. I think because the brand has been established, because it now has a national name, uh, because it's respected as a basketball program, I think that uh, it won't be a bad thing. I think they'll bring in some good talent. Anthony Roberts was outstanding this year. He came from St. Cloud, Minnesota, and he had an outstanding year. Eric Mulder is only going to develop even further in his skill set, his uh, his ability to play as a as a true freshman. He was a, a number two center. He moved up, but when he took over and started, he was getting just a couple of minutes a, a game. And by the time the end of the season, he was playing 11, 12, 13, 14 minutes. Uh, he's going to be uh, outstanding. And in today's college basketball landscape, you can build a roster pretty quick. And that's what the Horizon League did. And I think that's what kind of surprised a lot of these returning guys who all committed to come back together was that, man, everybody else got better. Youngstown State loaded up with transfers, and they're really darn good. Cleveland State got Anaruna, kid out of Iowa State, who was a beast to try to match up with, a power forward. And uh, and, and, and Cleveland State was really tough. And you've got uh, all these teams that picked up a, a guy or two out of the transfer portal, and Detroit was no different. Demise Anderson... He might have been the difference in the game last night. He hit three straight triples. And it's not that the Dons didn't know he was going to shoot them. It's just that all of a sudden he hit three in a row. And it, it went from, uh, at that point, I think it went from like a 12-point game to a 21-point lead. And uh, that pretty much put the game out of reach in the second half. So very disappointing. Yes, it's it's upsetting because you expected so much from this team. But... Um, Unfortunately, even though they had talent, just never really found it, didn't get it to click over the last couple of months, and the Macedon season is now over. Uh, plenty of more college basketball to talk about. The Indiana Hoosiers talk about not clicking. What on earth happened to the Hoosiers? That was not the same team. Please tell me, Adam, that was not the same team we just watched beat Purdue on Saturday. That wasn't that wasn't them, was it? Oh, that was the same that team. That was the same team. Unbelievable. Now at fifth in the Big Ten. Well, yeah. You've got to wait for a couple teams to play. One game, yeah, you could jump five, six spots. I mean, it's crazy the way the Big Ten is all jam-packed right there in that cluster, a couple of games behind Purdue. But we got to talk about the Indiana Hoosiers. Also, NFL draft, of course, we've got to look forward to that. With the Colts holding the number four pick, will it be the number one pick by the time the draft rolls around? There were some thoughts on that today. As far as what the Colts might or might not do. And uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, and Tuesday, Time Capsule Trivia. Chance to pick up some Doobie Brothers tickets. Coming to the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. I don't know when. June 26th. Oh, June, tw- this June, 20, June 23rd. June 23rd. Okay. Yep. Uh, and so we will give those away every day this week. Except Friday, I might keep them. No, I'm kidding. I have to give them away. Uh, and and it, it, it like Shannon yesterday, right? For those of us in the Doobie Brothers generation, I mean, you might like Doobie Brothers music. We grew up on Doobie Brothers music. So there's a different connection. I remember seeing the Doobie Brothers at Pierre's back in the late 90s. Wow. Yeah, mid or late 90s. What a venue to be able to sit and watch, you know, a, a classic group like the Doobie Brothers. It was awesome. Now they're at the Coliseum. And we've got tickets, so you can go on us. 
that comes up in hour number two. We've got to take a break here. And uh, before we do, Adam, got to check what's happening in the world of sports. Let's go ahead and check out today's top headlines. A little loud there. All right, today's top headlines. Well, you heard former Georgia star Jalen Carter, one of the top prospects in next month's NFL draft, has been charged with reckless driving and racing in connection with a crash that killed his teammate Devin Wilcock and a Georgia recruiting staff member. Uh, the warrant alleges Carter was racing his Jeep Trackhawk against the Ford Expedition driven by the recruiting staffer, which led to the wreck. That's a sad, sad story. The Indiana Pacers held on last night to defeat Luka, Kyrie, and the Dallas Mavericks 124-122. to Tyrese Halliburton dropped 32, and Miles Turner contributed 24 points and four blocks in the win. Luka Doncic had 39 points, but it would prove to not be enough as the Mavericks are now 1-4 in games where Luka and Kyrie have played together. Is this back-to-back road wins for the Pacers? Not sure. Didn't they just beat the Orlando Magic in Orlando? And then followed up and, and beat Luca and Kyrie. Well, it does say a lot about this combination of Luca and Kyrie. Is is Dallas going to figure it out? Or is this going to be a Brooklyn situation where after a couple of miserable years, eventually it gets blown up and Kyrie is looking for yet another team? You've got to wonder. Yeah, and uh, the worrying accusations surrounding John Morant are growing. In two separate incidences reported to police last summer, the Grizzlies star allegedly quarreled with a security guard in a mall parking lot in one incident. And in the other incident, he displayed a gun to a teen and punched the 17-year-old in the head repeatedly during a pickup game at the 23-year-old's house. Got to wonder how far the NBA is going to go to investigate this. I know the one incident... Police looked into it, decided not to file charges. But and these are both events that happened what last summer? Yes. So they're they're not new events. It's just new news. New details coming to light. One more thing for you here, Brett. Kevin Durant is slated to make his debut with his new team, the Phoenix Suns, tonight as they take on the Hornets in Charlotte. Tip is at 7 p.m. And there you go. Today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. 46862, the Berkeley Sports Medicine text line. Getting some texts in. Want to get some responses to those real quick. Adam, what do we have? Yeah, someone asked, or someone said, so basically Purdue Fort Wayne's men's basketball team is a 500 basketball team a little above. Not very good. Well, uh, you know, it's so interesting that you get to that point and then you say not very good because I think that's a relative term as to what you are comparing it to. There's a lot of mid-majors that would take a 500 record in a heartbeat. Uh, there were a lot of mid-majors that would probably love to have uh, a single-digit deficit against Michigan in the final minutes. They would probably love to have a one-point game against Northwestern in the final minutes. But uh, unfortunately, the Dons fell short in those games. Is it a talented program? Is it a good program? Absolutely. Does he want to talk about Butler right now? I would love to. But for the sake of our other listeners, I'm not going to talk about Butler. But here's the here's the question. How many games has that texture been to? Because I always challenge anybody who wants to knock the quality of basketball or reference that it's not a good team, get to a game before you have an opinion. Look at the talent that you see in the Horizon League and then decide the level of basketball you're actually talking about because there are some darn good teams in the Horizon League and and some really good individual talent as well. It's unfortunate. The Dons just fell short too many times and never got got it clicking to where they got that confidence, that swagger, that, 
you know, that opportunity were like they had last year. So, um, you know, they're a 500 team. Yes, that's what they had this year. But they were above 500, which is also important because a lot of times programs are measured by the number of winning records they have or winning seasons. Mm-hmm. And this goes down in the books, at least as another winning season. The Dons were outstanding in non-conference play. They just started to slip in, in January. They were going back and forth, wins and losses. And then in February, they had six of eight they lost. And that that takes you down to where the non-conference is quickly forgotten, and it's almost a 500 season, but it's above a 500 season. <laughs> so it does count as a winning winning year in mid-major basketball. Yeah, we had a couple questions. Uh, one asked, Adam and Brett, how many games did Pistol Pete play to get the record compared to the young Antoine Davis player? Uh, Pistol Pete played 83 college games. Antoine Davis is at 143. I wonder how many shots per game Pistol Pete averaged in his career. Let's see if I can find it. it, it I don't know if that's uh, easily accessible stat. But 38. Yeah, he was not afraid. He was not afraid to launch shots. I'll bet. I'll bet total shots. Pistol Pete may have taken more shots in his three years than Antoine took in his five, which is actually about four and a half. Because remember, COVID, that year of COVID. He has taken more shots. Pete Pete did take more shots than Antoine. Pete took more shots over his three-year career than Antoine has taken in a a a four-and-a-half-year career. Yep, Pete Pete took 3,166 field goals. He shot that many. Shot attempts, yeah. And... Antoine is at 2,961. So about 200 oh. more shots yeah. for Pistol Pete. Yeah. Now, you, you also would go to the next level, and somebody's going to bring up the Pistol Pete played before there was a three-point line. Yes, we get that. But but my point is everybody wants to jump in and attack Antoine setting the record because, well, he had extra time to do it. It's like, well, yeah, but he also didn't shoot the ball 38 times a game. <laughs> I mean, that's, last, that's night, crazy. last night he shot a lot. Yeah. And he shot 27 times. I'll bet for his career, Antoine is averaging, if you take that number, okay, what was it? About 3,000. And you divide it by about 150. That's about 20 shots a game, right? I'm trying to do the math real quick. Yep, and, yep. You, know. you got it. 20.7 field goal attempted average on his career. Okay. So he shot almost half as often as Pistol Pete Maravich. And he's 25 points away from setting the record that's that stood for 52 or 53 years. I think he set that record in 1970. It's very impressive. Wow. Yeah. Someone else asked, do the Dons still have a chance to make the NCAA tournament? That's going to be a no. That would be a no. That would be a no. That would definitely be a no. Um, the Dons don't have a chance. And maybe they aren't talking just NCAA tournament. Let's, let's be fair with the question. Maybe they were asking about postseason tournament play. Like the CBI or something. They played multiple times in the CIT, the CBI. No. No No. NCAA. No March Madness. Losing record in the conference. Uh, And so, no. The season is over. Uh, 46862 is part of your sports medicine text line. When we return, we'll talk IU basketball. What happened last night at home, Hoosiers fall big to Iowa. We'll talk about that when we return. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy, and we've got our audience right now joining us on Facebook. It is a live stream. Why are we sitting this way? Why aren't we? Did it not? 
Yeah, it didn't want to go didn't want to go horizontal on us. Okay, because it's probably making it a funky video on you know like how you have the block with the right. Because we're actually using a phone today, uh, and it's an upright phone, which the people that teach you how to do videos on Facebook, Adam, would never go with an upright phone. But hopefully, those of you that are tuned into us can can watch us, can hear us. Uh, but uh, we are on Facebook.com slash 1380thefan. You can find this show and see what it looks like behind the scenes while we're doing the show. And you can always text the show at 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Last night, Indiana. Okay, that's enough. We've talked about Indiana now. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to get into this. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of the talk centers directly around Jalen hood Shafino. How could he look like the best freshman in America and then look like a JV player the very next game? He did not have much of a night last night. Four for 12 from the field. Missed both his three-point tries. Um, just, just not a good night. And... You know, for Indiana, they've got to have that balance between Trace Jackson Davis inside and somebody hitting outside shots. And last night, Indiana only hit two outside shots. They were two of 11 from long distance. They can't do that. Um, Trace Jackson Davis was 10 of 16. He was 6 of 8 at the free throw line. He had 13 rebounds, three of them offensive rebounds, 26 points. Uh, did about all he could do, but you've got to be able to balance that out. Miller Cobb's got to hit shots. He only took one three-pointer, and he missed it. Uh, Jalen Huchfino took two three-pointers, missed them both. Trey Galloway was two for seven overall, one for four from long range. And uh, there's just not that many shooters that when the two or three they have aren't converting, it can be a long night for the Indiana Hoosiers. And the other end of it is they didn't play defense. There was defense optional last night at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Yeah. Iowa puts up 90 and, and in some ways, Iowa may have been riding some momentum they gained from that exciting overtime comeback win against Michigan State. That's fine. But you could say Indiana should be riding some momentum right now, too, because they just knocked off their in-state rival on the road at Purdue. And they should be using that as some energy to drive them here at home. And instead, they fell completely flat, emotionless, energyless. Nothing there for the Hoosiers last night. And, you know, in the big picture, this game may not mean a whole lot because the Hoosiers were not going to win the Big Ten. I don't, I mean, no matter what you thought, there was no chance that Indiana was going to truly win the Big Ten. And so, um, you know, when I look at it, I'm like, okay, just put this away as your bad game. It's it's done. It's recorded. It didn't happen in the NCAA tournament. It didn't happen in the Big Ten tournament. Now move forward and play some good basketball. But gosh, it's hard to really do that to just just file this one away because yeah. it was it was so bad after so good. And you're wondering how could a team go from that high on a Saturday to this low on a Tuesday, but uh, just just awful. And I mean, you know, here's the thing. Rebracha ends up scoring 16 points. Rebracha is a former Summit League player that played at North Dakota. And Iowa picked him up out of the portal a couple of years ago because they needed a big. They didn't have a big on their roster after Luca Garza departed for the NBA. And uh, Rebracha, to me, is okay talent, but he's not high-level Big Ten talent. But he still scored 16 points. Chris Murray went nuts. He was... Uh, uh, five of eight from three and scored 26 points. Tony Perkins, the Indiana native, 
he had a nice homecoming last night with 23 points. He was 8 of 10 at the line, 7 of 12 from the field, and had a double-double, almost a triple-double. I don't know if you noticed his numbers, but he had 23 points, 10 rebounds, and had 8 assists. Heck of a night for Tony Perkins. But uh, unfortunately, all the gaudy statistics seem to be on one side of this box score. <laughs> yeah. Something I kind of noticed is that Iowa was just really good at moving off the ball last night. And it felt like every time they got a cut or any time they got a, you know, an open or, you know, anytime they got a drive to the basket, it's, it felt like Indiana was one step behind that play. Yeah, their coach can be motionless, but their offense has a lot of movement in it. <laughs> we all love the Fran McCaffrey stare down of the official. That was so we had this weird. debate yesterday amongst those of us in the travel party with the Mastodons. Should that be a technical or not? You stare at an official during a timeout. You don't get right in his face. You stay a good, safe 10 to 12 foot distance. Because we had a debate on whether or not that should be or could be considered a technical foul. And there were a couple of people on the trip that said, definitely not. No way a Big Ten official is going to pull the trigger on something like that. I guess I would consider how long you can stare at a ref before they consider it to be antagonizing. Well, in all honesty, Fran McCaffrey lost the stare down. If you, I mean, Kelly yeah. Piper won. He, he remained his in his position. And Fran had to go back to the huddle. So <laughs> if you have to declare a stare down champion, it's actually the official Kelly Piper. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was interesting that this subject came up last night because the official that if you, uh, if you saw the picture posted, or at least one of them, there's an official in the background, not the one that he's staring at, but the other official who's a uh, bald-headed guy. He actually did our game last night in Detroit. I didn't have a chance to talk to him about it, but he was one of the three officials. John Floyd uh, was one of the officials that did the Iowa-Michigan State game. He also did the Don's game last night. And, uh, yeah, and so he was witness of the stare down, but not the subject of the stare down by Fred McCaffrey. I just felt awkward watching it personally. It's like, thought, can, can we do something else now? I shook my head and thought, this is such a Fran thing. Of course. All the attention on him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems like he's a guy starved for his own attention. That, you know, he's got to make the biggest scene on the sideline to get on Sports Center. He's got to do a stare down to be a uh, go viral on social media. It just seems like, Fran, just coach your team and don't worry about the exposures you're getting, you know? Right. Maybe he's trying to set up his future career. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine Text on your thoughts. On the Indiana Hoosiers Iowa game, I, I I mean, there's not a whole lot to say other than you hope it isn't one loss leads to two losses that Indiana regroups from this because all the things we said great about Indiana on Monday have all been now just completely questioned with what they did last night, how they brought the energy defensively, how uh, how they executed offensively. Trey Galloway, what an outstanding job he did. Uh, Jalen yeah. Hood Shafino, boy, freshman of uh, of the universe, and, and and all of a sudden, then he has a down game. But uh, but anyway, Indiana gets back at it this weekend. They've got Michigan. That's not going to be an easy one. Michigan's no. been playing good ball lately. And Looking so, forward to seeing uh, Hunter Dickinson versus Trace Jackson Hunter Davis. Hunter Dickinson, Trace Jackson Davis. That's the big matchup. And you got two freshmen that will go at it with Jet Howard, the son of Juwan Howard from Michigan, and Jalen Hood-Shafino. And so, you know, maybe 
that matchup of freshmen at Purdue, maybe that motivated Jalen Huchifino a little bit. Right, but that's the thing, though, is you shouldn't need to have some crazy hyped-up rivalry game with all this outside media speculation to what I, feel What I you. say about 18-year-olds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, it, it, you never know what's going to drive them, motivate them, what's right. going to make them show up to play. And obviously last night was not the night for Jalen hood Shafino. 46862, Sparkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. By the way, still coming up, we've got Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, and everybody's like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> it's swear today was Wednesday. It is Wednesday, but we didn't have Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia yesterday, so we're going to do Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia today because, well, as I would like to say Shannon was too big of a coward to go ahead and take on this game. And so I'm going to actually represent here today, and I'm going to uh, allow you to challenge me. But what's up for grabs on Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia today? Doobie Brothers tickets. Yeah, we've got the tickets to go see the Doobie Brothers at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Did you say June 23rd is show day? I sure did. Uh, and we've got your tickets. We'll give them away coming up in our 5 o'clock hour. Yeah, these are actually, uh, you can win these before they even go on sale. Wow. So that's why we're doing this now. Is like it's you Because might... we want you to be able to say, I want them before I could buy them. Exactly. And we also then want you to know you've won them so you don't have to buy them. Absolutely. And everybody who doesn't win also knows they better get in line and buy them. <laughs> because if you want to go see the Doobie Brothers, you got to get your tickets. Coming to the Coliseum, June 23rd, 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Well, uh, a lot of talk about the NFL draft and what is exactly going to happen with pick number one, pick number two, and pick number four. Of course, the Chicago Bears holding that top pick. You've got the Houston Texans, who may want to protect against the Colts leapfrogging them and stealing that pick away and getting the first shot at a quarterback, because we all expect Houston to be after a quarterback in this draft. And what do the Colts do? Do they sit at four? Are they going to be satisfied? Well, Chris Ballard spoke about the subject, and Shane Steichen also talked about the type of quarterback they're looking for. We've got that coming up for you after 5 o'clock, plus Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, plus Gary Andrews, coach of the Northside Legends, will join us. Man, how do we fit this all into two hours? Pretty amazing. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1380thefan. This is the Sports Rush on 1380thefan and 100.9 FM.